Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, February 19th. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm your host, Nick Seipel. And for Wildcard Wednesday, we're going back to the healthcare well, and we're going to be talking about diabetes stocks. I've got Brian Feraldi here with me today. Brian, how are you doing? Hey, Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, we're talking about healthcare today. You said you went to the doctor's appointment this morning. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling good. But uh, the funny thing is, I, I just go to a local a small family physician. It was my annual physical. And of course, I walk in the door, and what do I have immediately handed to me? A paper and a pencil to refill out my name, my address, my phone number, even though I've been going to the same doctor for about a decade now. So just shows you how much room there is for innovation in the healthcare space. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's something we're going to be talking about today when it comes to innovation in healthcare, uh, that's diabetes, specifically the CGM market and the insulin. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today when it comes to innovation in healthcare in the diabetes space. I know a lot of folks are probably familiar with diabetes on a surface level, uh, but just to start off, before we dive into these companies, Brian, can you kind of give us a high-level overview of what diabetes is and how it affects patients? Sure. So, uh, diabetes is when the body loses its ability to make enough insulin uh, to satisfy its needs. And uh, insulin is a hormone that's secreted by the pancreas into the blood. And insulin greatly assists with the absorption of glucose, which is also known as sugar, uh, into the liver, fat, and most importantly, the, uh, the muscle, muscular cells. So without enough insulin in the body, uh, sugar can't be absorbed properly uh, by the muscles, and all of that excess sugar that's in the bloodstream just continues to build up and up and up and up. And that can lead to a huge range of uh, health problems, both in the short term, uh, such as if you have really high blood glucose levels, your vision can become blurry, uh, you can have excessive thirst or hunger, you can get tired very easily. And more importantly, over the long term, if you, if you consistently have high blood sugar levels, uh, you can lose a significant amount of waste and you like triple your chances of having a heart disease or a stroke. Um, so broadly speaking, there are two main types of diabetes. Um, the first is called type 1, and that's an autoimmune disease where your body attacks and kills the insulin-producing cells that are in the pancreas. And when that happens, the, the person completely loses the ability to produce any insulin at all. And in that scenario, uh, a patient with type 1 has to take artificial insulin uh, to survive. And just to throw some numbers around there, there's about 1.5, roughly, million Americans um, that have type 1 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is when the pancreas doesn't make enough insulin to satisfy its needs or the body becomes resistant to uh, the insulin that it does make naturally. And that is usually as a result of obesity. And type 2 diabetes is far more prevalent uh, than type 1. In in America, there's about 28 million Americans that have uh, type 2 diabetes, and there's another 84 million Americans that are at risk of uh, developing diabetes. That's called prediabetes. So So diabetes is a major health problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you talk about uh, these patients, about 95% of those are the type 2 diabetics. That's, it's primarily tracked back to uh, diet, dietary choices, and that sort of thing. Type 1 diabetics, it's autoimmune. This, this is congenital. Uh, there's really not that much we can do about that. But to your point, uh, diabetes 
when it is not well treated, can lead to some of the most uh, expensive healthcare events that, that a patient can have. It's one of the leading causes of kidney failure, one of the leading causes of amputation. For most diabetes patients, whether or not they have one of these uh, huge complications, uh, it's still a large number of patients that are affected. I pulled a, pulled a, a stat. We're going to talk about Dexcom later today. Dexcom CEO at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference uh, cited that only 6% of people with diabetes actually don't suffer from co- complications. So most patients uh, suffer uh, these issues. Now, uh, traditionally, how diabetes was monitored uh, it was through these traditional finger pricks. Each day, you would prick your finger and check your blood sugar level, make sure it's in it's in the appropriate range. However, uh, the technology we're going to talk about today has really changed uh, the standard of care for, for how, at least for type 1 patients, are, are handling their diabetes today. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so to your point, so for, for decades, the way that a person with um, diabetes would monitor their blood sugar levels was with a, uh, a finger stick. So they would uh, prick their finger and take a drop of blood, apply it to a strip that went on a glucose monitor, and a point-in-time reading uh, would then be produced. Uh, that sounds good and, and useful, um, but the truth is that blood sugar levels change rapidly um, throughout the day based on a whole range of, of factors. Uh, so eating food, uh, exercising, uh, your mood, all, all, all of those things can actually greatly increase or reduce, uh, um, greatly uh, impact your, your blood sugar levels. So finger sticks, where um, the compliance would be to, say, prick your finger four times per day, well, that even that much information, which not everybody with diabetes would even do, was still nowhere near enough to, actu- uh, to accurately uh, figure out what, a, what was happening with a person's uh, glucose levels uh, 24 hours a day. So about a decade ago, uh, the first continuous glucose monitors uh, came to market, and these were devices that are attached directly to the skin. Uh, they're small, so they say about half the size of a box of uh, Tic Tacs, and uh, they are worn. They put a little sensor uh, underneath the, um, the skin, and they continuously upload uh, a blood sugar reading uh, to a wireless uh, handheld device uh, 24 hours a day. So many of them give readings, say, every five minutes. And with that much data, uh, suddenly a patient could get a much better idea of how their blood sugar levels are changing throughout the day, and they could make um, therapeutic decisions based off of that to keep their blood sugar in a much healthier range than they could have before. Absolutely. When healthcare providers are treating folks with diabetes, one of the number one things they want to target is how how long can we keep our patients in the targeted range of glucose levels. And when you, when you look at, at a finger prick, even if you do that four times a day, that is a limited insight into into how your glucose is fluctuating throughout the day. So what these CGMs allow patients and providers to do is get a more accurate picture of how often they're staying within that target range. And that tends to lead toward better outcomes for patients, which is very important, obviously, from a patient's point of view, not having to prick your finger every day, getting a better a better perspective of your health condition is valuable. But it's also valuable for these insurance payers, because we talked about earlier how significant uh, the expenses of diabetes treatment is. And that's only really increased over the past decade. But if we can get a better picture of how uh, uh, glucose levels change throughout the day, can keep patients in that target range over a longer period, that should be better for patients and that they'll have better outcomes from a healthcare point of view and better for insurance payers in that the the risk of these these uh, high expense complications like amputations, kidney failure, that sort of thing really reduces. So so both from the patient's perspective and from the payer perspective, uh, this therapy really has a lot of appeal. 
Yeah, completely. And uh, one point that we need to make sure our listeners are aware of is when you have um, uh, diabetes, as we said, your, your blood sugar can constantly move up and down based on uh, what you're doing. Uh, the only uh, the traditional way to bring your blood sugar down is uh, if you have type 2 diabetes with um, diet and exercise changes or by taking drugs. Um, if you have type 1, the only way to bring your blood sugar level down is to take artificial uh, insulin. Now, that's good if, you're, if you have high blood sugar and you're taking insulin to bring it down, but Figuring out the proper dose is critical. If you take too much insulin, then your blood sugar can drop well below a healthy level and you can pass out and go into a coma immediately. So it's really tricky uh, for people to kind of, it's a balancing act between too much uh, insulin and uh, not enough insulin that people have to walk on the tightrope. And what CGM devices allow people to do is to see that they're going to be heading in a trouble zone uh, before it actually happens, and they can take um, action to prevent those extremes from happening. And with, with uh, CGM, I mean, CGM devices are, significant, are more expensive than traditional blood glucose monitoring, but if you can just keep a patient out of a hospital one time in, say, a decade, then the, the therapy pays for itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, we, we list out the, these benefits of CGM, and there is significant growth in the space, but we need to note that uh, penetration is still relatively low among the type 1 population. We're still looking at 35 to 40 percent penetration. You'd expect penetration to be lower among type 2. These are folks who are less intensive insulin therapy. But that's still, we're only looking at 15 percent penetration. So really, really a lot of growth opportunity in this space. And that, that's what kind of transitions us to talking about. The first stock we're going to talk about today is Dexcom, which is one of the earliest pioneers in CGM. And if you look at this stock, it has just been an incredible performer over the past 10 years, five years, one year, any way you look at it. So over the past 10 years, stock is up 2,500%. It's a triple over the last five years. It's a double over the past year. Brian, when you look at this company, what's been driving this growth? Yeah, so Dexcom has kind of been the leader in the CGM space um, uh, for more than a decade. Uh, there are other competitors that they've that they've gone up against. Uh, most notably uh, would be Medtronic, which used to completely own and dominate uh, the diabetes device space. But Dexcom has always been one step ahead of them uh, with um, uh, the, a very critical uh, component of CGM, which is accuracy. Having the most accurate um, results is is critical to having um, to. Be being able to make therapeutic changes when necessary. And Dexcom has solely focused on continuous glucose monitoring space, and that has helped to keep them uh, one step ahead of the competition. And as you alluded to before, this company has been a monster winner uh, for investors because they consistently attract new users uh, to their device. And Dexcom actually has uh, a business model that I personally love, which is the razor and blade. So Dexcom not only sells the handhold controller, which is uh, used to actually receive the data, but the sensors that they wear on their body uh, uh, must be changed um, every 10 days. So this is a razor and blade model. So as this company adds new users every year, it revenue has just soared. Yeah, if you look at their most recent quarter, uh, they called out 650,000 active regularly regularly reordering Dexcom users. So these are patients who are using their CGM, and it, you know every 10 days they need a new Dexcom sensor uh, to replace uh, their their existing one. Uh, there's the, the huge launch for growth over the past couple years has been Dexcom's G6 product they released in 2018. That was their first product uh, that came to market that didn't require calibration, which has been huge uh, for the CGM space. So, so prior to the Dexcom G6 and also the Abbott Labs Freestyle Libre that came out just, just a little bit before Dexcom's G6 product, even CGM wearers at least twice a day would have to prick their finger 
and calibrate the sensor to make sure it was accurately reading. However, in the past couple years, we've seen this influx of no calibration sensors, which has really grown the market that much more. It makes that the appeal from a, a patient point of view that much better. You don't have to prick your fingers at all, which has led uh, to some massive growth from the business. Yeah, that, that is something that held up um, adoption for, for a couple of years, where, as you said, even though patients would have to, were willing to upgrade, were willing to wear the sensor 24 hours a day, they did still have to manually prick their finger and manually enter results into their CGM to actually calibrate it so that it was as accurate as possible. Uh, Dexcom has continually advanced its sensor uh, with each new generation, and uh, as you said, the growth has been explosive uh, in the last few years with the launch of the device that does not require any finger pricks at all. And you can easily see how that would be extremely uh, compelling for anybody with diabetes to go with a device because you completely give up uh, finger sticks with, uh, with the most uh, up-to-date sensors. Yeah, another thing we need to note about Dexcom's positioning in the market, you know, I, I called out Abbott, Freestyle Libre, the other no-cal uh, CGM product on the market today. Abbott's strategy is more going towards the, the low-price segment of the market. They, they have the lowest uh, cost. However, Dexcom's strategy is a little bit different. You, you mentioned earlier their focus on accuracy. They particularly focus on accuracy in the, the hypoglycemia area. That's the, those issues we mentioned when your glucose can plummet and is really scary for patients because they're making pass out or go into a coma. Another area they focused on is focused more towards pediatric younger patients. They're the only device on the market today that offers the alerts where, so if you're, if I'm a, a parent, my, my cousin, as a matter of fact, is a Dexcom where my uncle has the, have these, has these alerts uh, on his phone. So if over the night, uh, the, the, the child falls into a, a, out of their glucose range, an alert will go off on the child's phone or in the parent's phone, uh, to alert them uh, to that, that low in range, uh, status to, to get them you know some, some food or what what have you to keep them out of that low glucose range so for a parent um, is particularly valuable having those alerts uh, could, could lead you to why you would adopt dexcom over the other product I also believe that uh, the dexcom's product is approved uh, for uh, people two and up but if you look at the Abbott Libre product it's only approved uh, for, for older patients so so dexcom has been positioning themselves in this premium segment of the market targeting uh, really easy to use uh, products with alerts and that sort of thing and uh, and targeting younger folks which is which has really uh, been a good opportunity for them yeah. Uh, to, to your point, so Abbott's uh, launched its uh, Libre product uh, a few years ago. This is a lower-priced uh, uh, product that isn't as accurate as Dexcom, but because they price themselves at such a, a low uh, and affordable range, they have taken significant market share, and their device has been a, a huge success. So it is nice to see that patients do have options when it comes to CGM, and it's also nice to see that price that Abbott came to market with such a low-priced device that it makes the technology that much more affordable. Absolutely, and think even with this price competition, when you look at look at Dexcom's results, there's been plenty of room for growth for all all these players in the space. So if you look at 2019, Dexcom revenue up 43 percent for the year, uh, roughly doubled their revenue over the past couple years when both of these products uh, came to market. If you look at even over a longer term, if you look at their five year revenue, Kager over 40 percent. So just massive growth uh, in this area as new patients have been moving into uh, into adopting uh, CGM. Obviously, another big development was Medicare coverage added in the past couple of years, which has really opened up the population. So even as there has been uh, continued competition on price, which Dexcom con- expects to continue, as the size of the patient population has grown, uh, that that has uh, that has increased opportunities for them. 
Yeah, and that was a big concern for investors a few years ago when the Libre was initially approved. Uh, when the day that that happened, Dexcom stock got absolutely walloped. I think it fell 30 or 40% because investors were so fearful that the lower price device would just eat their market share. But we've seen exactly the opposite. We've actually seen both of these companies do extremely well just because the, the market for these types of devices has been so huge. And as you looked at the top of the show, the penetration rates are still not where they could ultimately go. So both they're, they're, this market is so big and diabetes is so prevalent that there is space for more than one winner. And that's exactly what we've seen. Yeah, to your point, Brian, I mean, that's, that's when I actually went and bought Dexcom after that 30% sell down. Had some close uh, family and friends, as I mentioned, that are, that are users of the product, you know, asked them whether they were going to switch over. And because of those issues when it comes to, to accuracy of the sensor, as well as, as those alerts and things, if, if you have younger patients uh, who use the sensor, it, we actually haven't seen as many people switch over. Now, for new adopters who are price conscious, uh, that's been a concern. But again, we've just seen massive growth. The other thing is in 2019, Dexcom switched, uh, swung over into gap profitability for the first time, and expects to continue that going forward. Uh, as you look towards further growth, you, you mentioned uh, um, that this G7 product coming out. As we evaluate the opportunity for, for continued growth in the CGM space, how should we be thinking about that as investors? Yeah, so one of the biggest opportunities for these companies, uh, for, for both of these companies move forward, is just, is just continue adoption. I mean, as technology continues to improve and more patients learn about the benefits of going to CGM, uh, especially in international markets where the, the adoption rates are still infinite, infinitely tesla small when compared to developed markets like the US and Europe, there's still lots of room uh, for these companies to grow. Uh, but with uh, Dexcom in particular, one thing that they're doing to kind of make sure that they have, um, that they have a growing market share is they are actually been very active uh, on the partnership front. So uh, we, what we've talked about so far has been the CGM side, the continuous glucose monitoring side, uh, but that's just getting the diagnostics. At, from there, you still have to take an action uh, once your blood sugar is too high or too low. And if your blood sugar is too high, uh, one of the common ways that people with uh, in, that are in, that are insulin dependent to uh, to main, uh, control their blood sugar is with the use of um, an insulin pump, and that is something that Dexcom has uh, Dexcom has been very active with partnering with some of the leading insulin pump providers to have an integrated system that not only lets patients monitor their blood sugars but also allows them to take action to, to make sure they're in a healthy range. Yeah, I think one thing Dexcom calls out repeatedly is that they're the only product on the market, at least as of their most. Uh, recent quarter that has this ICGM designation, which really allows them some some uh, uh, flexibility as they integrate with other platforms, which has really been a godsend for them. Uh, you, you mentioned these partnerships. Uh, the, the big ones on the pump side are, are Tandem Diabetes and uh, and Insulet. First off, Tandem Diabetes, when we, when we drive into that one, what, what should we know about it? That's another one that's just been a monster performer. Yeah, so uh, Tandem Diabetes is an uh, insulin pump company, and uh, so an insulin pump uh, again is about a is uh, traditionally been a, a pager sized device that's worn on the patient's body twenty four hours a day. It has a tube that attaches to an infusion set, and through that tube, the uh, the the insulin pump consistently pushes small doses of uh, insulin into the body throughout the day. And then when a patient eats and requires a larger dose of insulin, they can give themselves uh, a bigger uh, bolus of insulin uh, at what time. And uh, pumps have done a great job at mimicking um, the pancreas uh, to keep blood sugar reins uh, in, in healthy ranges. Um, however, historically, uh, patients have had to do all the work and all the calculations um, themselves. So they 
have to be there creating ther- with um, therapy decisions whenever they're about to eat. And that's a big burden for um, patients who, who, who are wearing these devices. It's much better than uh, the other option, which is just to take conti- continu- continuously take uh, shots throughout the day, uh, but there's still a big onerous uh, on these companies to do so. So what Tandem has done uh, is they've made a very consumer-friendly device that has a uh, touchscreen on it. It's been smaller than other pumps that are historically available, and they've really gone with a consumer-friendly messaging to just make the device as easy to use as possible. And that, that messaging and the device has really become hugely popular uh, with patients. This company has produced eye-popping uh, growth in the number of uh, units that it shipped for a couple of years. I mean, just in the most recent quarter, their number of pumps shipped and their revenue grew over 100%, and that's on top of growing at 100% for a few years in a row. So this company has been extremely impressive uh, with the execution. It's still not profitable. It's rapidly approaching profitability as the volume continues to grow, but te- Tandem has been another monster winner for investors over the last couple of years. Yeah, I just pulled up the chart over the past three years. Thirty-five bagger for this stock. I mean, and it was one of those things too, Brian. Uh, before it had this big run-up, the stock was really languishing. I mean, it was almost in penny stock territory. What really launched this turnaround for the company to, for to send the stock to the moon? Yeah, I will tell you that I personally wrote this company off as dead uh, a few years ago. I mean, they were just sucking wind. Uh, They were running out of cash. They had completely exhausted um, all of their financial resources. And uh, I actually have friends still in the diabetes space, which I used to work in. And and they were asking me about this stock under a dollar. And everything that I looked at just screamed, stay away. Uh, But they have mounted a comeback like I have never seen uh, in my life. They did a capital raise, uh, which shored up their balance sheet. And their top their their execution to get their pump out has been phenomenal. I mean, th- this company has produced growth rates like I have not seen in the device space uh, for a long time. So, in, in in reality, Wall Street was pricing them as if they needed a miracle turnaround, and believe it or not, that's exactly what the company produced. To, to your point, Tandem has just massively exploded since they've come out with with some of these integrated products that have allowed. Uh, them to you know, talk to the Dexcom sensor and to administer uh, insulin without intervention uh, from the patient. Another one of those uh, pump competitors uh, for Tandem is Insulet. That's a company that, that you worked at for a number of years, Brian. What, what should we know about Insulet? Yeah, so so Insulet uh, is also in the insulin pump space, and their innovation in the market was to uh, make the the insulin pumps uh, tubeless. So rather than have a pager-like device with a tube attached to it that goes into an infusion set, uh, Insulet actually miniaturized all of the pumping mechanisms and put them into a device that's the size of about a, a box of Tic Tacs that sticks directly onto the skin, and there's no buttons on it. It's completely waterproof, and it's worn on the body uh, 24 hours a day, and the device actually receives um, instructions from a wireless uh, remote control. So this device is highly attractive to patients that are have been has been highly attractive to patients that are interested in pump therapy, but don't want a lot of the the um, lifestyle negatives that come from wearing a traditional pump. And if you look at their their growth, um, about three quarters of the patients that are uh, going to uh, Insulet's Omnipod system, um, the majority of them uh, would not have actually tr- gone with pump therapy at all if it wasn't for the tubeless nature of the device. So they've done 
done a great job at expanding the market. But at its core, uh, the uh, Insulet's Omnipod system is just uh, uh, like works very similar to the other uh, insulin pumps that, that came before it. So it constantly administers a small dose of insulin uh, 24 hours a day. And then when a patient is going to eat and they need a large dose of insulin, they just pull up their wireless controller uh, and, and then tell it how much uh, to deliver. Um, but both Insulet and Tandem have been uh, have partnered with uh, with Dexcom to make what's called a closed loop system. So that would be a true device that uh, you put on your body, and then there's really no thinking involved. The device itself would constantly measure your blood sugar and administer insulin doses based on uh, your, your readings. That has been the holy grail of uh, diabetes treatment uh, for for decades, uh, basically, and getting getting this device to market has proven to be hugely uh, challenging, but we're finally at the point where we're actually getting really close to the true, uh, the first uh, closed-loop systems uh, being involved. So Insulet, uh, its, its closed-loop system is going to be called the Omnipod Horizon. Um, that's going to, uh, as we said, deliver insulin into the patient's body whenever high glucose levels, uh, levels are detected. It works directly with the, the Dexcom system. And this device is uh, estimated to be launched uh, later later this year. And actually, um, today, before we start, we start recording. Dexcom and Insulet announced that they were expanding their their partnership so that Insulet's uh, Dexcom's next generation system, its G7 system, would work directly with Insul- Omnipod's next generation system uh, to provide a the first uh, closed loop insulin uh, pump combination device that would actually work with uh, somebody's smartphone. So innovation is alive and well in diabetes, and these devices are doing great things to make living with diabetes as easy as possible. Yeah, to your point, Brian. I mean, the, the software has just been huge for them because you know they've had this system, this tubeless system, in place for a long time, which added convenience to patients. But now they can match what their competitors are, are matching on the on the convenience side uh, when it comes to the, the closed loop system. So really, really a big uh, development uh, for Insulet. And when you when you look at these partnerships with Dexcom, what advantage does that give them? And you, know, you look at Medtronic, Abbott Labs. These are big. Uh, uh, medical device companies that are, are going to, you know, partner with their own pumps and that sort of thing. When you look at it, this kind of agnostic player, does that give any any advantages to to Dexcom as the CGM player that has these shots on goal with lots of other uh, pump manufacturers? Yeah, I think so. I think that that's going to the the partnerships with the pump companies uh, is something that separates um, Dexcom from from Abbott, and it should keep it in that premium leadership uh, position. Uh, to your point before, I do think that there is going to be pressure on Dexcom moving forward to lower the cost um, of their device and give uh, and reduce it because adoption is, is growing just so rapidly. And with uh, now that the Libre is out there and, and obviously a market success, uh, you could see insurers starting to uh, put the screws to Dexcom to lower their prices. Uh, but Dexcom's next generation system is supposed to be a lower cost system. So I do think that there's going to be enough cost savings in the device to not only lower prices for, for patients and providers, but also for Dexcom to main, maintain strong margins. But there's, there's no doubt that its partnerships that it has in place with both Insulet and Tandem should help to differentiate it in the CGM space. Yeah, Dexcom's management has actually called this out, that they expect uh, revenue per patient to decline uh, moving into 2020 as they move deeper into international markets, as you mentioned, uh, as, they, as they push deeper into Medicare. Uh, obviously, Medicare has a lot of leverage to squeeze uh, companies on prices. So that, that's something they're calling out. However, 
uh, just massive growth when it comes to patient adoption. Uh, I think that they doubled production in this year. They're, they're expecting to double production going into 2020. I believe I looked up Abbott Labs is looking to triple to 5x production um, of their Freestyle Libre system. So just across the board, massive growth. One area we didn't mention when it came to CGM that I think we should touch on um, at least briefly, when, when you look at the, these, these pump providers uh, and just the traditional target market for CGM is these insulin-intensive type 1 diabetics that we mentioned earlier. As you look at this type 2 diabetes market that's starting to grow uh, their presence in CGM and, and other kind of more uh, advanced uh, diabetes therapies, how do you assess the opportunity there for these businesses, both on the pump side and the CGM side, for growth in type 2 diabetes? Well, historically speaking, most uh, people with type 2 uh, diabetes, uh, only, a, only a fraction of them actually require um, insulin. And of those require insulin, only a fraction of those actually require intensive uh, insulin management, which is when you're taking, say, two, three, or four shots per day. Uh, so th that limits the, 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 the numbers that you see in the market. So like right now, if we're talking about, say, 30 million Americans with, uh, with um, type 2 diabetes, only about, say, two or three million of them are on intensive insulin therapy. Uh, however, the, 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 the dominator there is so huge that even if you account for a small fraction of them to be eventually uh, eligible to receive a pump or a continuous glucose monitor, the numbers are so big that there's still huge room for both Dexcom and Insulate to grow substantially uh, in the space. So I do think that as insurers uh, learn more about the benefits and as the technology continues to prove, they will gradually make it easier and easier for patients with type 2 to adopt in, uh, to adopt uh, pump therapy and CGM therapy. So I do think that that is going to drive uh, all of these companies' uh, growth, say, in the, in, the, in the 2020s. Yeah, I think if you look at the TAM for these businesses, we've mentioned that as penetration in existing type 1 patients has increased over time, we're at 35 to 40% penetration today, it is a clear trajectory of, of that trending toward the standard of care, particularly as we see the emergence of these closed-loop systems, no-calibration uh, CGM systems that really make it that much more uh, convenient for patients, as well as all the things we mentioned as far as bringing down uh, the, you know, the cost of treating these folks um, over time. Um, the other thing we have to think about as well on the type 2 side is just the number of people with diabetes is growing significantly over time. So, so when you look at a company uh, like Dexcom or, 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 or these pump players, not only are we seeing growth as, as these products become standard of care for existing patients, but the number of, of patients is growing meaningfully year over year. So when you look at this opportunity going forward, Brian, I mean, Dexcom's at 18 times revenue, so, so really richly valued. But when you look at this opportunity as it grows over time, how excited would you be to buy the stock today at that valuation? Well, there's no doubt that investors are paying a premium to uh, to get into this stock today, but it does show you that Wall Street really values and is excited about uh, what this company is doing. Um, the valuation has always been a concern with Dexcom the entire way up. So uh, I, I would say that if uh, Dexcom or Insulet or, or Tandem excite you as an investor, I mean, all three of these companies are trading at like 16 to 20 times sales. So Wall Street is pricing in enormous growth. Um, and all of them, I think, have deserved their premium valuation. So if, if I was interested in any of these stocks or if our, our listeners were interested, I would say this is the, these are great stocks to buy in thirds. So you don't go all in at once, given the huge valuation, you buy a tiny little bit, you wait and see how it goes, and then you add from there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I tell you, when, when I first bought Dexcom a couple years back, I, I thought it was a little pricey then. That, again, that was right after this big new competition came on um, from the Freestyle Libre that, that really scared a lot of folks out of the stock. However, 
mean, this growth has been massive. If you look back at this company, it's very rare you can see a company that's posted pretty much a decade worth of 40% plus revenue growth with really no signs of slowing up in any significant way. Uh, prices are coming down. That's a concern. But as the patient population grows in a really significant way, there's big opportunities for these companies. I don't know that I would be, I would be to your point, taking a full position at 18 times sales, but this is a company I would really consider buying in thirds. I think it is my belief that over time, CGM and pump therapy for, for the average diabetes patient is going to become standard of care. Yeah, I, I think that that's correct. Um, the, the real challenge that these companies are going to have to face is they're going to also have to maintain their profitability and, and uh, uh, as they continue to grow and become standard of care. And there's likely to be um, big pressure on them to continually reduce price. So far, these companies have had no problem dealing with that issue. The big question moving forward uh, to me is, will they be able to continue to do so? Uh, I still have questions about that personally. So I, again, I wouldn't go whole hog in any of these stocks. But again, the, 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 the addressable market market here is so massive and it's still growing that there's reasons for investors to be, to, investors to be excited about all these companies. Yeah, I think, I think regardless of whether you're comfortable investing in these companies today, this is an area of the healthcare industry to really pay attention to. Uh, the American Diabetes Association calls out that one in seven healthcare dollars spent in the U.S. are related to diabetes or diabetes complications. So, uh, these are going to be real important businesses going forward. I don't think diabetes as a condition is going away. So before we go away, I want to ask our listeners one small favor. Uh, we're taking a survey, and we'd like you to participate. It helps us learn more about our listeners, no matter how long you've been listening or how frequently you listen to the show. It's quick. It's anonymous. So if you can take a few minutes to help us out, we would really appreciate it. And you can find the listener survey in the description of this episode. Brian, thanks as always for coming on Industry Focus, sharing your knowledge, uh, and I hope to have you on again soon. Sounds like a plan, Nick. Have a great day. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Brian Feraldi, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and full on. Cool